captain, said he at length with that same uncomfortable smile. Here's my old shipmate, O'Brien. Suppose you was to heave him overboard. I ain't particular as a rule, and I don't take no blame for settling his ash, but I don't reckon him ornamental now, do you? I'm not strong enough, and I don't like the job, and there he lies for me, said I. This here's an unlucky ship, this Baniola, Jim, he went on blinking. There's a power of men being killed in this Hispaniola. A sight of poor seamen dead and gone since you and me took the ship to Bristol. I never seen such dirty luck, not I. There was this here O'Brien now. He's dead, ain't he? Well, now I'm no scholar, and your lattice can read and figure. Then to put it straight, do you take it as a dead man is dead for good, or do he come alive again? You can kill the body, Mr. Hans, but not the spirit. You must know that already, I replied. O'Brien there is in another world, and may be watching us. Ah, says he. Well, that's unfortunate. Appears as if killing parties was a waste of time. Howsomever, spirits don't reckon for much by what I've seen. I'll chance it with the spirits, Jim. And now you've spoke up free, and I'll take it kind of you'd step down into that there cabin and get me a, well, a, a shiver my timbers. I can't hit the name on't. Well, you get me a bottle of wine, Jim. This here brandy's too strong for my head. Now, the coxswain's hesitation seemed to be unnatural, and as for the notion of his preferring wine to brandy, I entirely disbelieved it. The whole story was a pretext. He wanted me to leave the deck, so much was plain, but with what purpose I could in no way imagine. His eyes never met mine. They kept wandering to and fro, up and down, now with a look to the sky, now with a fitting glance upon the dead O'Brien. All the time he kept smiling and putting his tongue out in the most guilty, embarrassed manner, so that a child could have told that he was bent on some deception. I was prompt with my answer, however, for I saw where my advantage lay, and that with a fellow so densely stupid I could easily conceal my suspicions to the end. Some wine, I said. Far better. Will you have white or red? Well, I reckon it's about the blessed same to me, shipmate, he replied. So it's strong and plenty of it. What's the odds? All right, I answered. I'll bring you port, Mr. Hans, but I'll have to dig for it. With that I scuttled down the companion with all the noise I could, slipped off my shoes, ran quietly along the sparred gallery, mounted the forecastle ladder, and popped my head out of the fore companion. I knew he would not expect me there, yet I took every precaution possible, and certainly the worst of my suspicions proved too true. He had risen from his position to his hands and knees— and though his leg obviously hurt him pretty sharply when he moved, for I could hear him stifle a groan, yet it was at a good rattling rate that he trailed himself across the deck. 
In half a minute he had reached the port scuppers, and picked out of a coil of rope a long knife, or rather a short dirk, discolored to the hilt with blood. He looked upon it for a moment, thrusting forth his underjaw, tried the point upon his hand, and then hastily concealing it in the bosom of his jacket, trundled back again into his old place against the bulwark. This was all that I required to know. Israel could move a boat. He was now armed, and if he had been at so much trouble to get rid of me, it was plain that I was meant to be the victim. What he would do afterward, whether he would try to crawl right across the island from North Inlet to the camp among the swamps, or whether he would fire Long Tom, trusting that his own comrades might come first to help him, was, of course, more than I could say.'